Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Tom Hinch from the University of Alberta. How's the weather in Edmonton this morning? We've got a beautiful day. It's uh, fairly mild, a little bit overcast, but uh, it's warmer than it's been in the last couple of days, so I think we're set for a great day. Are the uh, days getting longer? Are you noticing that? Oh, they are. It, uh, we were actually away. My wife and I were away for a few weeks, uh, got back, and... Uh, about three weeks ago, and we noticed at that point that the days are really stretching out. So now with daylight savings, we're uh, having daylight into the early evening, so it's it's great. Whereabouts did you and your wife go? We were actually in New Zealand. So I was uh, at a conference and then uh, was working with a colleague over there. Nice. Did you get some time in for some some leisure activities over there? Sure did. Uh, so we actually had three weeks, and the first two weeks were work, and the last week was pure holiday. We were able to do some touring there and got to parts of New Zealand we hadn't been to before, so it was uh, fantastic. Nice. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Whereabouts did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Manitoba in a fairly small town called Minidosa, which is just north of Brandon. So the town had about uh, 2,500 people in it. Hmm. And uh, it was a really good spot to uh, to grow up. What kind of things did you do for fun as a kid? Of course, we had uh, lots of room to, to play, so we uh, weren't restricted to our backyards. We wandered all over town. I can remember hiking out in, uh, actually along the railway tracks and so on, just getting out into the countryside. So that was great just in terms of free play. But we also had... Uh, Lots of organized uh, activities, so minor hockey was one of the key things I was involved in. And and, in the school system, I played in the the various sports that we had going uh, in that system, volleyball being the primary one, I guess. Did you go to uh, university right after high school? I did. What did did you take in your your undergrad? Well, you know, I I went to university uh, at Brandon University. And uh, the reason I picked Brandon is because uh, they had a hockey team and, and I managed to uh, to make the hockey team my first year there. And, and I really wasn't sure what I was going to take. I had a friend who had uh, done some studying at University of Manitoba and he talked about his uh, economics courses So and, and liked them. I ended up taking a, a mix of science and arts in my first year, but the economics course really appealed to me. I had a great instructor, Guy Landry, and uh, I enjoyed it. I ended up majoring in economics and minoring in political science. Hmm. And then you got into recreation after that? How, how did you go from economics to, to recreation? Well, so I took time off between each of my degrees. Time off as in I went out into the workforce. Um, but I ended up in Edmonton, which uh, was fairly typical of uh, kids in Manitoba at that time. We just uh, there was uh, lots of jobs out in in Alberta, so we kind of migrated that direction. This was in the late 70s, and uh, after working for years, I, I didn't want to go back to university. I was actually considering going into science, and uh, I was looking at uh, trying to qualify for medicine, and uh, kind of was on campus one day. And just on the spur of the moment, I dropped into the Faculty of Physical Education and Recreation, talked to uh, 
woman by the name of Leslie Bella, who was in charge of the recreation program at the time, and she convinced me that uh, that was the direction that, that I should go. And, and based on the fact that I had done lots of recreation as a kid and, and really enjoyed it, so helping people to have a great quality of life. Was there a, a specific, um, I guess, area focus that you studied in, in the recreation department there? Well, so I did a year as a qualifying graduate student uh, and took a, a range of undergraduate courses, and then I, I did my master's. Um, my focus was really on land use planning, and I looked at uh, urban stormwater lakes. So these are stormwater retention ponds, but the secondary purpose of them is for recreation and aesthetics, and I was really looking at the value of these lands as parkland, as uh, recreation lands. So Guy Swinnerton was my advisor, very influential uh, for me. And, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, took it from there. Hmm. So then after that, you, you mentioned that you went back in, into the workforce. And I remember you telling me you did some, some recreation-related consulting. Is that right? That's correct. I uh, had an opportunity to work for a small management consulting firm based out of Edmonton. And... Uh, they were doing a lot of work up around Fort McMurray, so working for the native bands up, up there and, and helping them with uh, develop recreation master plans and, and doing some tourism planning. And I really enjoyed uh, that side. I think it, it uh, pulled on some of the skills I developed in my master's program. So that uh, was quite a rewarding year that I, I worked there. Hmm. And then what got you back into school again after that? Well, it seems like every time I uh, took a bit of a break from school, I, I would kind of look back on it uh, and remember all the, the positive things. And so uh, I was kind of wondering which direction to go. I was uh, married at the time, and we were thinking it was maybe time for a bit of a change. And I had a chance to do some sessional teaching at uh, Acadia University on the east coast of Nova Scotia. Went out there. And they actually had me teaching some tourism courses and some programming and planning courses. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So mm -hmm. I decided to pursue an academic career. So just with the, the variety of things that you studied, it doesn't really seem like you had, uh, I guess, a, a traditional journey through school. Um, is that common, though? Or like, do you, do you see other, other professors, some of your peers with similar journeys or kind of more common for somebody to study a similar thing all the way through? Well, there's a whole variety of routes, but uh, but I think the most common is for people to, if, if they're in uh, physical education and recreation, they'll do an undergrad, a master's, and a, and a graduate, or a PhD all in the same program. I actually went from that Bachelor of Arts in, uh, with a major in economics and minor political science to a, a master's in recreation administration, my PhD was in geography, so I, I really did kind of jump around between disciplines. Um, so that's not the typical, although you'll find people who, who've done that kind of thing. Um, but for me, it really worked because uh, my research program is is uh, tourism, mm -hmm. and all of those disciplines are, are relevant in a, a tourism context. So sort of wondered if I'm a, a jack of all trades, master of none, but uh, on the other hand, it's it's really been a, an exciting career, and you, you get to insight into each of these different areas rather than just being so 
uh, narrowly focused in one particular area. Yeah, I'd imagine that that helps out a lot. That'd be really beneficial to have different perspectives. Um, tell me a little bit about the research process. How does it even work? Like, can you kind of study whatever you want or do you have to pitch your idea to somebody? Like if you have a new idea of something that you want to study, how does that kind of come to fruition and actually start on on that project? Well, so first of all, it's a real privilege to, to be a, a university professor because you do get some choice about uh, what you think about. Now, you've got to justify what you're thinking about, what you're spending your time on in terms of your production. So you have to produce, in our case, uh, refereed research articles and, and be successful at getting grants and so on. So you have to convince other people that what you are doing is is relevant and, and worthwhile in an academic and a societal context. But uh, relative to my consulting experience, as a consultant, you're doing research, uh, research that had a really applied uh, outcome uh, associated with it, and, and I really enjoyed, you know, knowing that you're making a difference with the, the kind of work that, that you're doing, but you're basically doing what the client uh, is asking. So, so uh, it's, it's client-driven in, in that case. Whereas at the university, this concept of academic freedom gives me the opportunity to choose particular areas that I want to research in. Again, I've got to make sure that they're relevant and, and uh, get it justified in terms of people being interested in, in what I have to say. Uh, but it, it's great to be able to get up in the morning and, and to have some independence of thought. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're interested in, in sport tourism. That's what you're focusing on now and seems like you have in the past as well. Uh, what gets you excited about that? Why are you so passionate about sport tourism? Well, again, it, it combines a lot of the things that uh, I've done throughout my life. So, you know, I, I look at sort of the early influences in terms of why I, I chose this particular thing. But I go right back to when I was a kid in uh, rural Manitoba and uh, having the opportunity to, in my case, play hockey or play volleyball. But we traveled around the whole province, and, and uh, every once in a while we got outside of the province uh, to major tournaments or, or competitions. And I was fortunate because I, I came from a family that uh, actually did a fair bit of traveling, so I traveled outside of that sporting context. But uh, for a lot of the, my friends, this was this was their travel. This was the chance they had to see what was going on in, in other parts of the province, in other small communities in the province, large communities. So it was uh, it was exciting that way. But I had a couple other things. When I was at uh, university, I had a chance. I was playing on the hockey team there, but uh, our coach was involved with an exchange program with, uh, at that time, it was the USSR. And so I got to go over to Moscow on a hockey physical education kind of exchange and had people like uh, uh, Tarasov, their former national hockey coach, uh, as a lecturer. Um, and it was just a fantastic opportunity. Wow. My wife also had a chance to cycle. And so we did some cycle touring. Again, those are the kind of things that really made a difference in my life and to have a chance to explore them in a Tourism in an academic context was uh, really quite motivating. How'd the hockey games go over there? Did you win? Well, they weren't games. We went over in the summer, and we actually had uh, 
lectures that these uh, people were, were giving us. So it was what I really enjoyed there is that uh, we shared this sort of recreational uh, sporting background, uh, even though there's differences in language and, and culture and so on, we were able to connect that uh, in ways that you don't normally connect when you visit a place as a tourist. So that was a real eye-opener for me. Yeah, you're from different parts of the world, but you're still a part of the same community and share the same passions with uh, with hockey. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it is. And, and so, it, uh, you know, it's a common bond, and then you can talk about other things, and, and it helps you to understand their perspective on, on other issues. So it, uh, it really was a, a, a broad kind of educational experience for me. You don't have to give me an exact definition, but how would you describe sport tourism? Like, is it, you know, just related to, you know, sports or could it be related to any kind of recreation activity? Um, how would you describe the term? Well, you know, I, I won't get into my very technical definition of it, but my, in essence, uh, when I'm thinking of sport tourism, I'm thinking of any uh, travel that's associated with sport. But uh, I define sport very broadly. And uh, in my case, I would, one of the dimensions that, that we look at is sort of the, the physical competition associated with sport. But there's a lot of different continuums associated with that, and, and one being kind of elite high-performance sport. And quite often that's more kind of spectator-based sports where you're watching the Olympics or, or the FIFA World Cup or something like that. Uh, but it goes right through to the recreational side of sport uh, so that, uh, as I said, the, the cycle touring that I did, I'm not a fantastic cyclist, but uh, I really enjoyed it just as a leisure activity. My uh, One of my other favorite leisure activities is uh, cross-country skiing. I just love getting out onto the snow and, and getting that sense of glide when you get the right pace and so on. So a lot of people travel for those things. Uh, Alberta's got NBC, have you know huge uh, recreational ski industries, and so there's a lot of people traveling for recreational sports. So that definitely is included in my definition. Mm-hmm. What are you kind of focusing on uh, recently? Like, what aspects of sport tourism do you really kind of dive into and research? Well, I've got a a number of different projects on the go right now, but one is. Uh, looking at uh, an ultramarathon uh, called the Canadian Death Race. And this is run out of uh, Grand Cache, a small community you know, in the foothills of the uh, Alberta mountains. And that's a resource-based community, but they run this huge event. Uh, but I'm interested in how that event affects the way people think and understand Grand Cache and area. So this is a geography con- uh, concept of, of place. So I've uh, done some surveys of, of the runners, of the volunteers, of the residents, just to see how these uh, this experience of this uh, sport tourism experience affects the way they understand Grand Cash. Uh, a sort of variation of that. Right now, I'm looking at some data that uh, where we gave uh, cameras to runners, so runners who are at training camps up at Grand Cash and uh, who were competing in the actual event. And so we're looking at the pictures that they took that they say represent Grand Cash to them and, and just trying to get a sense of how their running experience has affected that, that uh, 
the way they see grant cash. So those are Canadian contexts. And then we're looking at some uh, studies over in Japan. We're doing some work with uh, Wakayama University in Japan. In particular, they got the 2019 Rugby uh, World Championships uh, that they're going to be hosting. So we're looking at things associated with national identity, uh, how they're trying to construct the image of the country uh, through this particular event. Uh, and it's quite uh, fascinating stuff. Yeah, it seems like a, a variety of things that you're working on, too. If you ask my grandpa what he thought of Grand Cash, it would probably be a whole other um, story. He actually was an engineer and he was a project manager to develop one of the first uh, lumber mills there, which is probably oh, yeah. why Grand Cash even started in the first place was the uh, was the industry, whether it's forestry or is there some mining there? I'm, I'm not sure. but yeah, yeah, it's a big mining town. It's got a big coal mine, uh, but so coal mine, forestry, oil and gas, you know, it's driven by the resource extraction, but it goes up and down with the world markets in terms of, you know, what the price of oil is, what the price of coal is. I believe at the moment the coal mine is, is not operating. Um, so to, to look at Tourism. One of the reasons they're looking at tourism is is a way to uh, diversify their economy, make them a little less dependent on some of these these other resource extraction activities. Hmm. So when you look at it from that kind of, I guess, municipal perspective or from the local perspective, um, is that something that residents welcome to you know bring in tourism, help out the local businesses, or is there any conflicts that come up with that? Well, it's like it's like anything. There's uh, you know, those people that are for and those people that are against, I think overall there's been a, a great deal of support for this uh, major event. I mean, it basically doubles the population of Grand Cash during the, the race weekend, um, but it's been running since uh, 2000, so it's uh, it's got a it's been sustained over a long period of time. But there there are people who you know, find it too crowded and actually will leave Grand Cash uh, during during the actual event, but. Yeah. You know, it's the economic, it's the social, it's the environmental uh, impacts, and, and you're looking for more positives than, than negatives. You try to manage the event, in, in a sense, to, to gain those, those positives and to minimize the negatives. As a, as a professor, you're definitely, you know, fully engaged in your research, but you're, you're also um, teaching as well. So how do you balance kind of your own research with, um, you know, managing the classes that you teach? I always find that uh, a bit of a challenge. So each uh, each faculty member uh, deals with it according to their own skill set and uh, situation. But typically, when I'm teaching, I am not as productive with my research. Uh, so I, I look forward to, to the terms when I'm not teaching in order to to get some of that uh, that research finished. Other people can, you know, balance it right throughout the, the full year. So it. Uh, in my case, I tend to focus on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Are you teaching this semester? I'm not actually teaching this semester, but last semester, I, for example, I had a couple of courses, the policy course uh, yep. and uh, uh, introductory tourism class. And that kept me quite busy. So you're spending a lot of time in terms of class prep, uh, actually in the classroom and uh, providing feedback to, to students in terms of the assignments that they're doing and so on. Let's talk about the, the policy class for, for a minute or two. When I was 
in your class it was um, a pilot program and now I hear it's uh, become a required course for the program so congratulations on that yeah well we we're pleased with that uh, you know all the different recreation programs across the country go through uh, reviews periodically uh, to look at their curriculum to see whether the curriculum is preparing students so they can be successful in the field see whether it's uh, you know, up to date in terms of the current research and so on. And during our last uh, curriculum review, one of the uh, new courses that was proposed was this course on public policy. So, as you said, uh, when you took the course three years ago, I believe, Ryan, yeah. and uh, that was a, a pilot study for us to see how it went, and it actually went very well. Um, and then subsequently, we incorporated it in as a, a core part of our program. So. All students, whether they're interested in tourism, uh, recreation, or sport, uh, will be required to take that in their, their third year, and it'll give them a sense of uh, public policy and the context for public policy in Canada. As a student, kind of going into that class, I'm sure many students probably have the same mindset. You know, we're not necessarily focused on what we're going to be doing after university. We're still kind of stumbling through our undergrad and you know, taking it one one week at a time. Um, I guess maybe just describe the importance of public policy for a student that's, you know, going into this class. Why is it a required course now? Why is it something that's, you know, important to know about before you're sent off into your career? Well, you know, I don't think uh, the students are super excited or find the, the term uh, public policy to be really particularly sexy. But uh, I found, uh, both with uh, your class and the, the ones that followed, that once we got into it, they really did enjoy it. And, and you know, I open up the course trying to uh, help students to understand the relevance of, of what they're taking, especially with a required course where you know that students aren't necessarily there uh, on their, uh, based on their own choice. And, and for me, I, I see the public policy course as, as giving students an opportunity to understand how decisions are made. Now, I think all of our students want to make a difference, and so they've got different interests in, in terms of the constituent groups that they're working with, whether it's special populations or, or the general population, municipal recreation, commercial recreation, but they want to, they want to have a good career. And I, I think uh, if I can convince them that by understanding public policy, they'll be in a better position to be successful in their careers, that uh, it, it helps to motivate them in terms of the materials that we're, we're covering. And, and so far, so good. Uh, the students have seemed to have bought into that. Yeah, I think you did a really good job of connecting it to the real world. And my favorite part about the class was when you brought in guest speakers. So I think your intention was you'd bring in a guest speaker and they'd talk about um, a specific policy, but then all the students would just end up asking them about, you know, their careers and how they got a job and, you know, what, what they do for work. And I don't know, maybe you thought it was going off the rails a little bit and not so much focused on the actual policies, but I think that was probably one of the most beneficial aspects of the class was you kind of get an insight to what, you know, these real world uh, people are doing for their jobs and then you know, talking a little bit about policies and how it affects their job is is a is a bonus for sure. Yeah, no, that's it exactly. I mean, and I I don't 
think those uh, discussions really get off rail because there, there's uh, lots of directions that, that they can go anytime that uh, I, I see engagement where, where students are, are actually not just copying down notes but are, are actually thinking and uh, asking questions and uh, you know if the conversation gets a little pulled off sort of the central goals of that particular lecture that's fine because I, I think what they they're probably learning will stick with them a, a lot longer than if they're just trying to memorize something for the exam. Um, yeah. and the, the speakers that I've had come in, as you said, they come from different areas within the field, and some of them, you know, they're at different points of their career. Some of them have been in their career for you know, a couple of decades. Others are at the front end of their careers. But I always ask them to sort of connect their careers, their you know, what their jobs are, uh, to public policy and just how public policy makes a difference in their day-to-day -day decisions. Mm -hmm. And then the, the project that you had us do is every student could choose a policy and it could be, you know, whatever they're interested in, whether they're into sports or recreation or, or tourism. So, you know, that, that freedom was nice. And I ended up doing the national recreation framework which i'm still involved with uh with today which is pretty cool helping advocate for that across the country well that was a, a fantastic opportunity that we had that particular year so we were right in the, the process for uh, putting that uh, national recreation framework together was just coming to its uh, peak and they uh in their wisdom the, the groups that were involved in it wanted to have student voice at it, so uh, to have you, uh, and there were a, a number of other uh, recreation students from across the country involved, I think was just a fantastic opportunity, and not only for you yourself, but, but you were able to bring that back to the class and, and made it more relevant for the, the class as a whole, so it was just a great opportunity to take advantage of at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um... Well, I won't take up any more of your time. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation, and, and thanks for joining me this morning. Well, it was my pleasure, Ryan. Uh, I think uh, this, the podcast that you're running really, uh, I look forward to, to hearing them. I think they're going to make a difference, and hopefully uh, you know, students who are interested in this, this field will get a chance to, to listen and uh, pull out what they can from them. So thanks again for having me on. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks everyone for tuning in and thanks again to Dr. Hinch for joining me. Uh, catch you guys next time.